See where you took the blue one off? Yes. Now, put the red one... No, don't, don't put the blue one back. Put the red one where the blue one was, and put the blue one where the red one was. But be careful. They're oppositely charged, so keep them away from each other. Make sure you hold them apart from... No, hold them apart. <laughs> Bucketheads, Mavar Tegar. Welcome to our action-packed 15th episode of Mandovision, Nargai Tom. Thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. Your support means the world to us. Today we are here to discuss Season 2, Episode 4, Chapter 14, if you want to go in long form, of The Mandalorian, The Siege, written by Jon Favreau and directed by Carl's Weather... Carl's. Directed by Carl Weathers. And boy, oh boy, can we talk about that for a hot minute? Carl Weathers just directed the hell out of this episode. I don't even... There's so much to talk about with the way he... he uh, uh, what he brought to the screen. The way he uh, controlled the camera and, and, and the angles and the, and the choices he made as the director of this episode. Oh boy. And was this one action-packed or what? And listen, let's not pull any punches, okay? Spoilers... From here on out, we're going to get into it today. But are you kidding me? Dark Troopers? Are you kidding me? This is exciting stuff. These are deep cuts for Star Wars fans who've been around, who are as old as I am, <laughs> at, the, at the least. It's, it's oh, oh man, we're going to get into it. So much fun stuff. So much great stuff with Baby Yoda, with Mando, with Cara Dune, with, uh, with Grief Karga, with the Empire. Holy smokes. What a great episode. And, and you know... A lot of people were hoping this would be the episode where we, we, we meet, you know, the live-action Ahsoka Tano. But guess what? This might have been, like, the perfect episode to lead into meeting with Ahsoka Tano. Because, oh boy, oh boy, do we have so much information. Uh, and mysteries abound as well. I mean, we got, we got nuggets, we got kernels of what's going on, of what the Empire has in mind for the child. But more importantly... Uh, 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 Mando now has a little bit more information about the child and what the Empire wants him for, and and it's, it's terrifying to think about. And now Mando realizes what we've known all along: Moff Gideon not dead. Oh, bah! So much big stuff to get to. All right, but before we dive into the into the podcast, we have to kind of get the the, the 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 rigmarole out of the way. The uh, the the you know my 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 spiel, my normal thing. So remember, the best way to reach out to us for this podcast is via social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this show with all of the other Mandalorians in your clan. And if possible or so inclined, please give us those sweet, sweet, sweet five-star reviews. It's the holidays. It's the season of giving. Give those five-star reviews. Thank you in advance. Uh, they, they, they are so important. They help small independent podcasts like us stand out and not get lost in the shuffle of this of this world where everyone and their their brother and their mother and their sister all have podcasts too. So and anything 
that you guys can do to help us stand out is, is deeply appreciated. Uh, and, uh, you know, hey, they're rad. Thanks. Uh, also, head on over to our parent website, 3bzine.com. That's the network we're on, the 3bzine network. You can find a link to, or I'm sorry, you can find a tab to the show page where you can listen to the latest episodes of all of our epi- uh, all of our shows, which include Beer Night in San Diego, the TomCast podcast, and MandoVision. You also can check out our store envy page and buy all that sweet merch from all three shows on the network. Uh, sorry to inform you that Kyber Crystals are on back order. That is uh, rolling in, into the holiday season. Uh, Kyber Crystals are, are in demand and, and we're already out of stock. All right, let's strap on our buckets, folks. Let's go. There's no way we're making it to Corvus in this shape. You know, I think we need to visit some friends for repairs. So how'd you like to go back to Navarro? All right, so as we catch up with our friends on the Razorcrest, remember the Razorcrest not in great shape after its previous adventures so far this season. Uh, so they're not, they're having to do some some repairs in flight. And I, I love that Mando has Baby Yoda, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, what do you want to call it? I don't. What do you want to call it? I don't even know what to call it. You know, and, and Star Trek would be like the Jeffrey's tubes. Uh, you know, where you can access you know vital systems of of the ship. Um, I, but you know, I don't know Star. <laughs> I don't know the inside of ships that well. <laughs> he, basically, he's in like an access bay. He has Baby Yoda in an access bay, reaching wires that the Mando couldn't get to on his own without having to, to tear down a lot of other components on the, on the ship. So why not send Baby Yoda in there and start teaching him a trade? The way a, a, a loving and caring father should, and and yeah, get him get him ex- some experience with electricity, and I have to say right off the bat that uh, Mando, a much more patient uh, teacher about electricity than my father was, who uh, in, enjoyed me messing up and getting electrocuted, because uh, he would just laugh and laugh and laugh when that would happen to me, so you wonder why I have a phobia about messing with exposed wires. <laughs> a little insight into my psychology there. But Mando, a patient teacher with Baby Yoda as they attempted to do some repairs on, on the Razor Crest. And as, as we heard in the opening clip for, for today's episode of the show, uh, it didn't go so well. And you, you heard the, the, the familiar uh, mechanical failures of a starship sounds that we, we, we so closely relate to the Millennium Falcon. A lot of those sound effects heard during the Razor Crest struggles. So the decision is made... It's time to, I guess, they must be close. Navarro must be close. So it's time to go back, meet up with some friends, and get the ship fixed. The Razor Crest has been in bad shape almost since this season started. So uh, long overdue repairs, and uh, we, we, get to, we get to meet up with our old friends. And as we transition to Navarro, Navarro excuse me, we see what one of our old friends has been up to. Cara Dune, a.k.a. Uh, Gina Carano back in the role. I lo- I really enjoy Gina Carano in this role. I know there's some controversy uh, with her with with Gina's uh, uh, Twitter and, and people not liking some of the things she tweets about. And and uh, you know I don't want to get into all that necessarily, but Gina Carano can tweet about whatever she wants. I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to listen to it. She can do what she wants. I like her in this role. I have no problem with that whatsoever. That is the the Tomcast podcast's official stance on uh, Gina Carano being Cara Dune. 
So when we first go back to Navarro, but even before we see Cardoom, we we go to we we flash to the old Mandalorian covert where the armorer was, where those Mandalorians were hiding out, and now now we know them as the children of the, of the Watch, which we will talk more about in, in a future episode. But for now, we'll just keep it at that. We'll keep it real simple, real light. But yeah, this is a, now now with the Mandalorians having cleared out, uh, this is now a hideout for some for some Aqualish bandits. And maybe you recognize the Aqualish because they look a lot like that guy from Star Wars: A New Hope, the one uh, affectionately referred to as as, as Walrus Face uh, for for a very long time. But he's he has a name. He is Panda Baba, and he was the one who had his arm cut off by Obi Wan Kenobi in the bar in in, in uh, Mos Eisley. But that's an Aqualish, and that's what we see here: a gang of three or four Aqualish. Uh, who have been? Uh, it appears that they have been robbing people in Navarro, and and this has kind of become their hideout. They're divvying up the goods, and they're gonna eat some little mouse creature. And that's when Cardoon comes crashing in there to wreck house and reclaim people's property. And we find out that she is the marshal of Navarro now. So we we again we we the, the western motif continues as now we have a new marshal in Navarro. Each town that we sort of visit, you get that marshal character now. That seems you know the the western motif continues to grow. And if you think about it, I mean, space is in, in the show is essentially uh, um, like the range, you know, or the, the traversing the countryside, going from town to town, you know, so they, it really does work. And they really kind of lean into that metaphor. But uh, before we kind of, you know, let me just put a little, little pin in this real quick in the episode and say that, that this is one of the most Star Wars episodes of the show so far. I mean, this is like, this is what you came for, man. When you want to watch Star Wars, this is a Star Wars show right here. This is a Star Wars episode. And and we'll talk about that as we get there. Because, ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. But yeah, so we have Carl Dune, and she's just busting heads. Left and right, kicking ass. And the, the she saves that little mouse creature that they're about to cut the head off and eat. And uh, so she gets a new little friend out of it. And that's kind of cute, right? Yeah, why not? So the Razor Crest comes in. For landing on Navarro, and we and we again we see just how badly damaged the ship is, how it's just being held together by, by uh, uh <laughs> you know, uh, like I said, it, it kind of looks like a Long John Silver's. I said that on, on last week's show, and it, it still kind of applies, you know. He uh, the Mando cursed the uh, the Mon Calamari for his repairs last week, and while they seem to be holding together, the the ship is not doing well, and that that is visible as it lands on Navarro, and uh, the the landing ramp won't even descend all the way down. That's how bad a shape they're in. Mando has to jump down off the ship for his reunion with Cara Doom and Grief Karga, who have they have not seen each other since the season finale of chapter of of, of season one. So it's been a minute, and we're gonna see just how much just how much Navarro has changed as as Mando gets to walk through the town here. But I wanted to play a little clip uh, when 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 Grief sees Baby Yoda, and it's very cute, and I love it. Baby Yoda does a lot of good stuff in this episode, and, and we'll talk about that as that plays out, but let's, let's play that clip of Grief and Baby Yoda. I'll get my best people on it. Hey, fellas, let's fix this man's ship. I want it as good as new. And you come here, little one. <laughs> uh, has Mando been taking good care of you, huh? Have you been taking good care of him? Yeah. Yeah, he said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carl Weathers is a delight in this episode, no doubt about it. So good. And and now he, he sends his repair crew over to the Razor Crest, and we see one of them give a, a look back 
at Mando as they're walking into the town. And we, we know something is afoot with this, with this technician who's about to do some work on the Razorcrest. We won't find out what it is until the end, but we know something nefarious is in the works. Because whenever someone gives that kind of look, it can't be good, can it? So again, we, 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 we kind of go on a new a, a revisit Navarro, and it looks very different than when we last saw it. It's, it's much more of a, a bustling uh, town with, with, with trade happening and with people out in the streets, and they seem to feel um, safer and more secure under Grief's leadership. You know, he is now the magistrate, and, he, and with it, without the Empire there, he seems to have been able to make some strong changes. And Cara Dune, as like his right-hand person, as his, his law enforcement officer, seems like things are going well. And now we get to go back to the to the bar that we remember seeing from the very first episode, where Mando and Grief first meet, in the in the confines of the show for us. But now this bar has been uh, retrofitted and become a school, and little baby Yoda, the child, will be dropped off here, because Mando and Grief and Kara have some business to discuss, and this leads to some fun stuff, because there's a lot of of. Listen to the protocol droid who's teaching the class, and you 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 do hear some some kind of Star Wars deep cuts like the Hadean way, and they they refer to the maelstrom from the Kessel system that we saw in the solo picture, solo picture, the solo movie. <laughs> so there's a lot of like references to things that are like, oh man, that's just kind of a fun little casual Star Wars reference that's just dropped kind of in there uh, to to things that we know from other things. You know, they talk about the expansion region, the inner rim, the colonies, the deep core. The inner core, you know, the, this is all kind of like Star Wars geek speak for, for those of us who are sort of more immersed in everything. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, we get we get to see Yoda, little baby Yoda, kind of hang out in this classroom and, and become, fa- again, baby Yoda loves to eat. Baby Yoda wants these this other child's little macaroon-esque cookies. And, you know, I, I think the kid could have saved himself a lot of trouble if he just shared with baby Yoda. You just share, you teach baby Yoda a valuable lesson about sharing, but instead <laughs> baby Yoda simply uses his force powers to snatch the entire package of cookies. And I guess the ch- <laughs> the other kid whose cookies they were decides that it's not worth fighting this little green creature who can snatch cookies with his powers. <laughs> Again, I don't know if I necessarily agree with Baby Yoda's tactics of taking the entire entire package of cookies, but hey, that kid was kind of mean. The the yell that he the the way he says no to Baby Yoda, all he had to do was share. That's all he had to do. But he didn't. Baby Yoda takes the package of cookies, and I loved it. I can't help it. I think Baby Yoda is adorable in this episode. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but now we ha- now we go back to Grief's office. We see Mithril who we met in the very first episode of The Mandalorian when Mando captures him on that ice planet and then eventually freezes him in, in carbonite on the ship. And Mithril is, is, has a bit of a reaction, which is pretty fun to watch. Uh, again, Horatio Sands reprising his role as Mithril for this part. We see that Grief has, has thought him out of the carbonite and put him to work, paying off his debt. Now we find out also what Mithril did, which was apparently did some creative accounting in Grief's terms. Uh, uh, and basically stole from, from Grief Karga, which Carl Weather's not going to put up with that shit. Let me tell you that. So uh, he's going to go on the adventure with us. And, uh, you know, we saw that in the trailers. We saw that the Mithril was going to be back, or at least... 
at least we assumed it was Mithril, I think. I think there was always the possibility that it could have been another member of his species. But no, no, no. It's him. It's Horatio Sands back in the role. And now we get the pitch from Kara, from Grief, about this Imperial base that they'd like to, to clear out, get rid of the Empire off Navarro for good. And this is when we get to the big action of the movie of this of this episode. It's it's uh oh boy, it gets so good and so juicy. Uh, I love the fact that 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 Grief and Kara are are interested in getting the last of the Empire off this planet. Like they've been doing good things. You see the good deeds that they've been doing. How they've kind of turned Navarro around from the place we saw in season one to this 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 uh, this again bustling with life. You know, people moving around freely, safely. And, and Grief thing, seems to think Navarro could become a, a big trading post in the sector if only they can get rid of the Empire. It makes a lot of sense. So it, it appears that, that, that Grief Karga and, and Kara Dune have noble intentions by getting rid of this, this final Imperial outpost. Uh, you know, Grief does mention the fact that it's like the sort of, a, you know, it would be a haven for, for black marketeers to come in and try to strip it for parts and weapons and things like that to sell on the, on the black market. And Mando sort of openly wonders if that's something that, that Grief would rather, t- you know, get ahead of them and take that for himself. Grief plays the nobility card that, like, I just want to keep Navarro safe and, and you know, get rid of the Empire. And, and that's what Kara says. And, and Navarro will be finally, finally be free. But we do have to wonder if if Grief, Grief maybe does have ulterior motives. They never It doesn't come out in this episode. and It appears that Grief is on the up and up. But... As was alluded to by by Moff Gideon in, in the finale in Chapter Eight of last season, uh, uh, grief has a past. Actually, it might have been you know, it was, it was in Chapter Eight. Grief has a past as an imperial as an imperial magistrate. So, making a little extra cash on the side, maybe not out of the realm of possibility for grief. He had to do something to to kind of be disgraced in the eyes of the Empire. Even so, there may be more to grief grief's motivations than we're being led to believe but if there is it doesn't come out in this episode so maybe it's a bit of a long game situation or it's nothing at all and i'm just imagining things but the plan seems simple enough they're going to break into the base it's supposed to be a skeleton crew not a lot of of, of troopers there or anything like that or, he- or heavily guarded by by any means they're going to break in kind of set the self-destruct thing because it's in like these lava fields easy peasy they get in get out go home and then, in in exchange for this, Mando's getting free repairs on the Razor Crest. How cool is that? What that's working out great for everybody. everybody. So now they head off to the base. Uh, Mithril is piloting them on a, on a land speeder because that's that's the best way to get around. You know, you can have that land speeder, very reminiscent of Luke's, but not 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 a, a complete copy of it by any means. Not a, a complete homage, but you know, a land speeder nonetheless. That's always kind of fun to see, and and. Mithril doesn't really seem to want to have anything to do with this mission. He's just a civilian. He's kind of just, he's kind of just being like their their Uber, and he's just going to take him there, drop him off, and go back home again. Except he did, he very quickly gets roped into the escapades once they uh, once they attempt to get into the base, and uh, we get to see Mando use his jetpack. He goes he he rockets up to the top of the base while they're still trying to like hack the door, and uh, in 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 sort of a, in sort of a, a a bit of a precursor of, of sort of the revelations to come. Mando does something that we love doing when we played Star Wars, Star Wars video games, which is 
just kind of like throwing or kicking or pushing stormtroopers off of very tall ledges and just watching them fall down into the, the crevasses and the canyons or whatever it would, would, would be around us. And that's sort of what Mando does. He flies off screen and then you just kind of hear a, a yell and it's getting closer and closer. And then it's just a thud as a stormtrooper crashes into the ground. And it's like, oh, wow, that's like every video game I've ever, I've ever played in Star Wars. That's super fun. Love it. Eventually, all of our heroes reunite in the base. Kara and Grief and, and Mithril make their way in. They catch up with the Mando on the top level. And Mando kind of reveals, like, hey, by the way, uh, this place not as deserted as we were led to believe it was. Uh, you know, lots of... He had to kill a lot of stormtroopers when, when he first got in there. And, uh, you know, hey, that's okay, because that's what stormtroopers are for. And that's when that's when this show sort of shifts a little bit. And, and we'll talk about that in a second, but there was one little bit of of uh, foreshadowing where they show the Trexler Marauder. Uh, and again, it, it, it just seems like foreshadowing. Like This, this vehicle here is going to come in handy down the road. So remember that's there. <laughs> and that's what happens as, as our heroes start to work their way through the base. And this is when the movie becomes, uh, I mean, it becomes a new hope. It really does. I mean, it's our heroes running around an Imperial base, going through corridors, and 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 it's extremely reminiscent of of Star Wars: A New Hope. And the, the again, pay attention to the directing here from Carl Weathers as as he's shooting these action sequences. The, this is like top notch stuff. I don't I don't know if Carl Weathers has directed a lot of other stuff. I need, I need to check into that uh, because this was damn impressive work by the man. And, and he should be uh, quite lauded for it because, again, these action sequences are incredible. So well done. Our heroes running through these corridors, blasting stormtroopers in the face. Uh, Mando getting hit with some blaster fire. Apparently Moff Gideon has the only stormtroopers who know, know how to hit anything, which is exciting, I guess. And that makes it a little bit more uh, high risk for our hero, right? But uh, it, it just really, really, really good stuff. Great action sequences. I don't know how you can't love this stuff. And we're just getting started. I mean, this is, we're not even like the middle of the episode yet. Just running around this base and, and stormtroopers and gunfire and, and blasters and using uh, code cylinders. I mean, it, it's, this is like Star Wars for Star Wars fans to the nth degree. It's so great. You even have a scene with, with Mithril uh, that's very reminiscent of Obi-Wan Kenobi when he sneaks in to turn off the tractor beam so that the Millennium Falcon can get away. I mean, when he creeps out onto that little ledge uh, so that he can sort of start the uh, the self-destruct sequence, the chain reaction that will that will cause the base to to uh, explode. Uh, again, it's 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 that that crazy Imperial tech uh, uh, design work, I should say, and and and. Uh, Mithril is more than happy to point out there's not even there's not even guardrails on that little ledge he has to step out on that is over uh, a, a long descent into a lava pit at the very very bottom. So 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 some pretty interesting funny stuff. Again, you got to appreciate that that imperial uh, design work for just no regard. They had no safety protocols on anything. They're you know, like narrow ledge over a pit of lava. Fine, it's fine. If you're if you're not competent enough to do this job and you plumb it to your death, you shouldn't have been doing this job in the first place. The Empire, a harsh place to work, that's for sure. OSHA regulations do not apply. <laughs> but yeah, again, another kind of reference to to A New Hope as is again these characters are just running through the corridors, blasting stormtroopers and trying to get away. They're pursuing. They're being chased. It's great, and and very very shortly after this this 
setting of the the uh, whatever that is they do exactly. <laughs> You'll have to bear with me on that. They didn't set a device. They just sort of altered the things, the power level, so it'll it'll self destruct. So also by this point, you know, obviously the Empire knows that they're in the space. Uh, but here coming up is when we find out that this isn't just a, a, a fortification of the Empires. This isn't just some base where stormtroopers, uh, you know, deploy and 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 un, un you know unleash themselves upon the the helpless masses. No, no, no. We find out this is a science lab as as Imperial scientists, knowing that that the, this 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 ragtag team of heroes is is going to be on them soon is attempting to destroy a ton of information, trying to make sure that nothing can be recovered, nothing can be traced back to whatever project it is they're working on that goes unnamed. But here, huge, huge bit of, of data here for, for us fans. Again, information that deepens the story of the Mandalorian, deepens the story of the child. And because you remember that, we, you know, we're getting kind of, we're getting kind of distracted by, by some of the things that we know are coming up like Ahsoka Tano, like, um, you know, Moff getting in pursuit. But like, remember, they, they were there was a reason why they were after the child. And now we're getting to that reason. We're starting to get some more information on what's going on, which connects to Darth, uh, Darth, to Moff Gideon's plans. And there's, again, there's a lot going on here. And we are starting to get back to some of those elements because we have been a little preoccupied with the Mandalorian and more Mandalorians. You know, last week meeting with, with Bo-Katan, and, and again, there's so much great stuff to get in here too. It's easy to kind of forget about some of this stuff for a little bit. But the, so far this season, they've done a really nice job of kind of weaving everything back together again, you know, pulling, starting to pull some of these threads together. And, and so our, our team, our heroes are able to recover a bit of data from these scientists as they're trying to delete it, a hologram of Dr. Pershing, who we've not seen since uh, season one. I think the last time we saw him was in chapter three when he has the child on that examination table and he seems to be uh, extracting blood plasma from from the child for what what purposes we were never never sure but it sounds like we might have some ideas now so let's play that clip cuz we got a lot to talk about replicated the results of the subsequent trials which also resulted in catastrophic failure there were promising effects for an entire fortnight but then Sadly, the body rejected the blood. I highly doubt we'll find a donor with a higher M count, though. I recommend that we suspend all experimentation. I fear that the volunteer will meet the same regrettable fate if we proceed with the transfusion. Unfortunately, we have exhausted our initial supply of blood. The child is small, and I was only able to harvest a limited amount without killing him. Experiments are to continue as requested. We would again require access to the donor. I will not disappoint you again. Moff Gideon. This must be an old transmission. Moff Gideon is dead. No. It's recording three days old. If Gideon's alive, then. Ruh row! Big time stuff happening, man. Wow! Wow, what a lot of. Interesting, interesting stuff there. Uh, they talk about... Ooh, there's so, there's so much juice to get into. Obviously, for... We have to sort of process this a little bit 
<laughs> there's some kind of program going on. Again, we're in this shot in the background. We're seeing these these bodies in these these tubes, uh, the the dead bodies. They seem to be, it seem to be assuming. I assume they're dead. They look pretty dead to me. Now I know there's been some sort of internet scuttlebutt that they're making uh, uh, Supreme Leader Snoke's, but I, I see. I think that's garbage. I don't think they want to go anywhere near that cup of mess. Because <laughs> that's what I'm going to call it—a cup of mess. Because it's, that's what it kind of was. Anyways, but let's not get into that. So this this recording from Pershing talks about an experiment, and they talk about uh, the body rejecting blood, and that's when we get into the child and how the child has a higher M count, M count. Clearly we're talking about midi midichlorians here. The first reference to midichlorians since episode one. I mean, John Favreau, not pulling punches. He's willing to go to those places where a lot of the old timey, hardcore Star Wars fans like myself, um, those are things that, that a lot of the, the old time fans don't want to hear anymore. They, they were bummed out about this midichlorian thing, this sort of explanation for the force and, and, and all that stuff. So it kind of, it never went away. It was always part of the lore, but it was never talked about actively in, in, in the new films or anything like that. Like it was just kind of like, let's just not talk about that stuff anymore. But John, John Favreau, not shy about going, going to those, those places that most fans aren't comfortable with. And I think it's also because Favreau realizes, you know, maybe the old time fans, like guys like me and older, uh, don't like that. And I'm not saying I'm not, I'm one of them, by the way, I'm just saying that's sort of the, the consensus of the older fans. But he, Favreau also realizes that there's an entire generation of kids that grew up with the prequels as their Star Wars movies and, and love them. And, you know, embrace all the aspects of it, from midi-chlorians to Jar Jar Binks. Uh, so I, I applaud him for going there and, and mentioning midi-chlorians, even though they just say M, M I think it's the M-type, is, is the exact words he uses. It's, uh... Whew! Sorry. Lots of... Lot to say there. Yeah, it just says M count. So what do we, what do we infer from this? That they're they're doing something with the child's blood. They're attempting transfusions. They're attempting. It sounds like they're attempting to make their own force users, who would be under Moff Gideon's control. You know, I Imperial, basically, Jedi. You know, Jedi force powered beings for the Empire. Again, I guess Jedi is not the right word because that's. But you know what I mean? They're force users, and they would be for the Empire. They'd be in the employ of Moff Gideon, and they would give him a, a weapon that uh, that would be hard to beat. You know, Moff Gideon probably well aware that Luke Skywalker helped overthrow Darth Vader and the Emperor, and he's like, that's one Jedi, or that's one force, wheel, force user. What if I had dozens or hundreds or thousands of them, and they were all under his control? Very, very interesting stuff here, if, if that's what they're doing here. And that seems to be, that sort of seems to be the implication here of what the child is for. He is the donor. He has the midichlorians, and they're trying to figure out a way to perfect the transfusion method. Uh, and they talk about volunteers, people volunteering for this. Now, again, we, we sort of hinted that uh, Dr. Pershing might have a connection to the, the cloners of Camino because of that shoulder patch that he wears. I'm not quite sure about that yet, if that's going to fit into anything. Um... It could, like those bodies in those tanks, could be could be cloned bodies, for all we know that they attempted to manipulate with with uh, the child's blood, but we don't know for sure. So a, a new mystery kind of pops up out of this out of this episode. But we know again we get that little bit of knowledge of 
hey, they wanted the child for this purpose. They want his blood. I mean, that's pretty serious stuff right there. At, at least Dr. Pershing seems to have some kind of ethics about having not killed the child to get all the blood that he could out of him. But that's also probably the practical side of being an imperial scientist. You know, like if, if I kill the subject, I'm not going to get any more blood at all. So I got to keep him alive long enough for the guy to keep the, for the for the little little child to keep producing blood. But this is what sets Mando off. Mando has to get out of the base now. It's time for Mando to rock it off out of here. He's got to go get the kid because if if Gideon's alive and finds out that they're on Navarro and he has a child with him, oh, that's not going to be good. So so Dinjarin takes off, takes that rocket pack. Got to escape the base. Now, again, this is when we become very much a new hope. Running, trying to escape, stormtroopers in hot pursuit. So much good action. Again, look at the camera angle. Look at the camera placement. The way he shoots, the way the way that Carl Weathers shoots these action scenes. So fantastic. The quick cutaways, the quick wipes. All of it such, done with such precision, such uh, 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 skill. And I did look up Carl's re- resume, by the way. He has directed uh, quite a few television episodes. Uh, most recently, an episode of Hawaii Five-0 last year. But uh, seeing him do sci-fi, which is not on that resume, this is exciting stuff. And again, ro- Mando rocketing up to the top of this base. Stormtroopers blasting him from behind. I mean, it's, it's so good. And we, we're we not even to some of the best action sequences yet. But this is great. Again, Stormtroopers getting blasted. Mando. Oh, it's it's incredible. I can watch these action sequences all day, and I basically have, because it's that good. It's that damn good. I'm trying not to curse on the Star Wars show, so forgive me for damn, but <laughs> it's really, really great action stuff. And this is where the, 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 the Trexler comes in into play, because this is how how Grief and Kara and Mithril are going to escape from the base. They're attempting to get out of there, but they're, they're, they're kind of cut off. They can't really get out. So they're going to drive that, that Trexler off the top of the base, they crash landed on top of Mithril's uh, uh, speeder, which I'm sure he's not thrilled about. But again, this leads to another phenomenal action sequence. Phenomenal. As as speeder bikes pour out of this base in pursuit of the Trexler of grief, per, to pursue grief and Kara and Mithril as they are escaping, attempting to escape the base, and they're in hot pursuit. And you have speeder bikes racing down this 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 hillside into like this trench to pursue the Trexler. And you got Grief in the back firing the cannons and Kara piloting the ship, the the, the craft through through this through this sort of trench run esque uh, uh, lava field. And then once all the speeder bikes are, are, are handled and the, the last uh, speeder pilot is, is is eliminated, it gets even better. That's not even the end of the action sequence. By the way, I did want to mention when Grief first targets the the when when grief first hits the, his first speeder bike to to blow it up look at that shot what back it up look at it and back it up again and watch it a couple times i swear to god i'm not making this up but that speeder bike explodes exactly like the action like the, like the toy did when you hit that little button on the back of the speeder bike and everything would pop off and it would send your send the send the speeder bike pilot uh, flying through the air I swear to God, maybe I'm imagining things, but watch it again and tell me that's not the toy you played with when you were a kid. That was the toy I played with, the Return of the Jedi speeder bike. I know you had one, and it had that little self-destruct button on there. Not self-destruct, but to make you explode it. And then you just snap the pieces back together again, and and you keep playing. I don't know. I don't know. That's my thought on it. Maybe I'm a nut. 
Yeah, you know I'm a nut. That's okay. It's fine. But I, that reminded me so much of the toy that I grew up with as, as a kid, and I loved seeing that. If that's what I saw. <laughs> and then, and then the next bit of fun starts, and that would be pursuit by Tie Fighters from above. Four Tie Fighters in particular take off from the base, and again pursuing our heroes as as they're in this canyon, trench run esque from the from the, you know a New Hope, but. Oh, man, so so wonderful, so delightful. You get a lot of really good stuff here with the ties. And, again, Carl shoots this so nicely, you know, the, the going into the cockpit to see the TIE pilot and the way they're adjusting the, the, the controls on, on, the, on, the, on the TIE fighter controls pad. It's like a weird steering wheel. It's not a steering wheel. You know what I mean, though. But it's kind of like a stick. We won't get into the intricacies of it. But I love the way he shoots it, the over-the-shoulder of the pilot, of the TIE pilot, as they're blasting down at the Trexler, as cars whipping it around through this lava field, through this canyon. Oh, man, it's so good. And <laughs> there's a lot of great back and forth between the characters in this, too. It's a, it's a really fun scene. And this is one of the most extended sequences in the show where we have not had our Mando, Din Djarin, not in this in this sequence at all. And like this is for a, a fairly sizable chunk of time. I think this is the most time we've we've gone without Mando being on screen in this entire series. And it's fascinating. It's interesting. It's so visually exciting and so well done. And you're 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 in. And it I think it pulls off because like these are characters that we know, that we like from season one. So we can do that. You know, it would be interesting to see this with, with, a, with a fan favorite character like Bo-Katan as well. But in the context of this show, characters that we've seen in multiple episodes, this works. Now, they're able to get rid of one tie, and then they open up out of that canyon. They're in an open field now, so they're, it's going to be a lot easier for the ties to pick them off. Except Mando shows up. The, the repairs on the Razor Crest are complete, and now the, ba- the, the action sequence shifts to air-to-air combat, ship-to-ship, in the atmosphere, the Razor Crest whipping around, trying to fight some ties. You got baby Yoda with his hands in the air, waving him like he just don't care. That kid's having a blast. He's eating the last of those, those little space macaroons. And what a freaking delight this is. I mean, again, top-notch action sequences in this episode. It's unbelievable. And baby Yoda just munching those macaroons. It's, oh man, I couldn't get enough of this sequence. I've watched this sequence at least eight times today. It's so good. And again, Baby Yoda's enthusiasm about the, the, the aerial maneuvers and the, the Gs and, and, and blowing up TIE Fighters. Wonderful. What a great Baby Yoda episode this is too. Just the cooing and the excitement that you see on him. And again, the aerial combat. Look at the way this is being directed. The way Carl Weather spins that camera around as, it's, as the ship's maneuvering. It's incredible. It's such a wonderful, wonderful sequence. I was thoroughly impressed with with what Carl did for this episode, and I, I know I'm not alone. I, I the 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 praise that that's been on the internet so far is well deserved, and and it's a really just exciting sequence. I mean, this is like this is Star Wars. This is like one of the most Star Wars episodes ever. I, I said it earlier. Even when Baby Yoda pukes on himself, the the the. <laughs> The only sad part about this is the way the Mando now is like, I can't stay in Navarro. I got to get out of here. So it's time to take off. But uh, it, it's, man, what a great action sequence that is. All right. So Mando and Baby Yoda take off. But there's, there's an aftermath. We have to get into the aftermath. And that would be the New Republic 
checking out an exploded Imperial base. And we ha- we catch up with, with Captain uh, Carson Tiva again. Our, our, my, my main man, Paul, Paul, uh, Paul Sun Wang Lee, reprising his role as Captain Carson Tiva and questioning Grief Karga about the base. And he mentions the Razor Crest, but there's a great back and forth about, I didn't mention the Razor Crest, you know, stuff like that. And then, uh, again, Grief kind of playing hard to, hard to, you know, I, I don't know, hard to get is not the right word. You know what I mean? But he's being evasive. He's not answering the questions of the new Republic officer. And I think that's, is that because of Grief's uh, former Imperial alliances? Or is that because he know, he doesn't believe the New Republic's, Republic's going to be any help? Or he doesn't want the New Republic's help out here? It seems like Grief, I think he men- mentioned earlier, he doesn't, you know, leave the Rim alone. You, the, the Empire can, couldn't control the Rim. The New Republic is not going to be able to control the Outer Rim. So why bother? But Carson's out here investigating. He knows something's going on. And we, 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 he talks a little bit more about that with, 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 uh, with Kara after he leaves Grief, forgetting nothing. And I I did really enjoy the exchange between Carson and and uh, and and Kara. I thought it was a really good one, and I think I may even play a little clip from it for you now. There's something going on out here. They don't believe it on the core worlds, but it's true. These aren't isolated incidents. They need to be stopped before it's too late. But we can't do it without local support. says here you're from Alderaan. I served during Alderaan. Did you lose anyone? I lost everyone. I'm sorry for your loss. So the funky here there is 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 Carson Tiva top uh, plopping down what looks to be like some kind of New Republic uh, badge of some sort, you know, in, implying that uh, when Cara Dune's done playing around in the Outer Rim, she can come back to the Alliance and and uh, start wrecking house again for for the for the good guys for the for the the new government of the galaxy, which is something we haven't explored a whole lot in in this episode. Uh, but again, sort of like that Western motif, you know. The government's sort of like this thing that's so far removed because, you know, it's like, you know, D.C. was so far from the Oklahoma territories and the, or the Nebraska's or things like that. I mean, it, it took days to get people out there. And that sort of works for the, 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 the Star Wars galaxy as well because, you know, space travel, you don't get there in an instant, that's for sure. You spend a lot of time in, in, in hyperspace. All right, so let's get to the epilogue here of the episode, sort of like the next big revelation here. And um, I've been looking for more information on the ship that we see here. And again, it's sort of a, a reveal of, of Moff Gideon's command ship. Uh, it's really nicely done, evocative of the imagery from the opening of, of, of A New Hope, of the Star Destroyer flying overhead. This one's a little bit different, though, because it's this ship, it seems to be a variant of, of the, the, uh, the Arquidans class ship which is is sort of what you see in the clone wars it's sort of like almost like a pre-star destroyer in the clone wars this seems to be like a modified version of that so i doubt it's pre i doubt it's from the clone wars era but it's sort of modeled a little bit more after that ship it's probably a more updated version 
of that kind of ship. Uh, but it's interesting. But it's not a full-fledged Star Destroyer. It is a bit triangle-based. You know, it does have that triangle wedge shape. But it's it's not a Star Destroyer. Not in the in the typical sense that we know them. So it's possible that Moff Gideon has um, access to all kinds of goodies. Because we're, we're going to talk about that in just a second, actually. Because uh, Moff Gideon has a few toys that... Uh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. All right, so remember what we talked about earlier in the episode about how there is that uh, the mechanic who goes to work on on the Razor Crest gives a look, a, a suspicious look, a look that raises our hackles. We know something's going on. We know something's going on, and it would imply bad things for our friends. And it sure does. So contact is made between that mechanic and this uh, an, an imperial officer on this on this ship, this un, an unnamed ship, at least unnamed so far. Though I have a theory, <laughs> but no one's gonna want to hear it because I have I have ideas about this after after the big revelation of, of what's gonna happen here. Actually, that, I take it back. That ship's not as triangular as I thought it was. So this is, might be a more unique ship than I than I thought, but. There's that mechanic again, like I said, telling this Imperial officer that a tracking device has been planted on the Razor Crest. Something that, that we, we know happens in, in the Star Trek... Uh, Star Trek, jeez Louise. In the Star Wars universe, tracking devices on ships, it happens quite a bit. Remember, Han Solo, not this ship, sister. Well, apparently the Razor Crest can be easily tracked. But this officer goes to inform Moff Gideon, and this is where the S, it's the fan... The ooh, we open up into this chamber, okay, and we see all this crazy stuff going on in the background. We like rows and rows of just black armor lined up along the walls, and we see Imperial technicians and the insignia on the Imperial technician, the Imperial Department of Military Research. That is a thing. Now that is a thing from old canon, from pre-Disney canon. So not technically part of canon anymore, except now it is. Which leads to the next big thing. All right, so let's 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 go ahead and play this this final clip because it's just just so good. Okay. Moff Gideon, the tracking beacon has been installed on the Razor Crest. Does he still have the asset? Yes, our source confirmed it. And we will be ready. Look what's behind him. You gotta look over his shoulders. And he turns right to it. Dark troopers. Dark troopers. This is one of those moments, folks. Where I did I did the equivalent of a double take. Where I like yes, my eyes were on the TV, but I was like, what what? 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 Yes, and so perhaps you are wondering, Tom, I don't know what a Dark Trooper is. Why are you so freaking excited? Let's talk about Dark Troopers, can we? In the 90s, remember that era of time known as the 90s when, when Star, Star Wars wasn't doing much? Star Wars didn't have a whole lot going on. We had comic books. We had some novels. Oh, and we started getting video games. One video game in particular 
of interest to all of us, especially for this for this show, is Star Wars Dark Forces, a first-person shooter, the sort of styled, you know, like Doom, uh, except this time around you are a rebel agent, you are killing Imperials, and you are tracking down clues to what is known as the Dark Trooper Project. So what is the Dark Trooper Project? What does that all mean? Dark Troopers are basically... There's different phases of the Dark Trooper. So I don't know what we're going to get here. Because, again, we're reintroducing something from old continuity into the new continuity. So they, they can change it. They can play it around. But in a lot of senses, it's it's uh, cybernetic stormtroopers. You know, just relentless killing machine, Termin- Terminator-style stormtroopers. And they are badass. They were insanely hard to fight in the games, too. This is a deep cut. This is a deep, deep cut right here. If this is what they're doing, if they're introducing dark troopers into Moff Gideon's uh, Kadir of, of weapons, if Moff Gideon is, is, is the one behind the Imperial Military Research Division, which is a branch of, of the Empire that was devised for the role-playing game back in the late 80s. So, I mean, again, old, deep cuts of, of Star Wars lore, of Star Wars mythology, Star Wars canon, old canon that didn't count but now it's in play back in the Mandalorian. This is, again, us old-timey fans who who played this game in like 96. Um, we, we loved Dark Forces. It was amazing. Do you know how Dark Forces starts? Do you know the first mission you do in Dark Forces? You play as, as a character named Kyle Katarn. You are a mercenary who works on behalf of the Rebel Alliance. Your first mission is to recover the plans to the Death Star. The first one. Yes. This was Jin Erso before Jin Erso existed. <laughs> uh, I guess Kyle didn't make the cut for the Rogue One Squadron, uh, you know, in the in the film. Though that w- that would have been an amazing uh, callback if Kyle Katarn was part of that team. I and you know maybe in, in some world somewhere maybe he was one of the one of the the characters who stormed the beach, you know, uh, uh, at the Citadel there. But who knows? But that that's the, that's the opening mission. Of Star Wars Dark Forces, the video game, you recover the 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 Death Star plans for Princess Leia, and then the 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 game jumps one year ahead in time after the Death Star has been destroyed, after the events of the film. So you're kind of your story's kind of going concurrent to sort of kind of to Empire Strikes Back, or at least leading up to the events of Empire Strikes Back, and you're you're doing this mission again. You're trying to stop the Empire from developing the Dark Trooper project. So I, why, 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 why do I want to tell you so much about this stuff? Because if the, the final level of the game requires you to be on a ship, the ship of the, the moth who's in charge of the project. And uh, well, I had his name written down here somewhere. It's, I'm sorry, not a moth. He's General Ram Mach. And, and he's in charge of the program. He is, is trying to get these these... Uh, dark troopers unleashed against the against the the rebel alliance to help crush them. The last level of the game, you have to go on his ship. It's called the Ark Hammer. I'm putting that out there now for you, for everyone listening, because if it's revealed that Moff Gideon's ship is named the Ark Hammer, folks, I might I might just fall down. I might just faint. <laughs> Like, this is the stuff that I imagined when I was 
you know, 16, 17 years old, I played these games and I read these books and I read those comics and I wanted them to be adapted into a film for Star Wars. Like I, I was so thirsty for new Star Wars content, for new live action Star Wars content. I was like, oh my gosh, this would be amazing. This should be part of the, of the films. This is what they should, you know. You always had those thoughts when, you, when you're a Star Wars fan and, and like you just didn't have any movies to watch except the, the, the classics, which was great, but you wanted more. So you'd, you'd play these games and you'd read these books and you'd read these comics and you wanted it to happen. You're like, make it happen. It's happening. And it's not happening in the way that anybody probably thought. But I don't think anybody expected Dark Forces, the video game, to become a major part of the Mandalorian TV series. Now, we all suspected Moff Gideon was up to up to no good and had some, had some, some tricks up his sleeve. He, he kind of showed that a little bit in Chapter 8. You know, uh, Gus Fring might be in space, but this dude ain't frying chicken, man. He's got big plans. If he's building dark troopers, he's trying to uh, uh, imbue people with force abilities so that he has his own uh, his own legion of, of, of fake Jedi or of dark Jedi or whatever you want to call them. There's a lot of terms you can use for that, by the way. But let's just call him Imperial Jedi. <laughs> I mean, like Moff Gideon is not playing around. He, and he is, he is embracing the old lore. He must... He must have walked between worlds and read the old continuity. And was like, I like that part of it. No, okay. I made that part up. But this is just so, so mind-boggling. It's so mind-bogglingly awesome. It's so awesome. Did you, did anyone else play this game? Am I the only one? Do you guys remember Star Wars Dark Forces? It even came out on PlayStation, the first PlayStation. Uh, it wasn't as good as it was on the, on the computer. It was a great PC game. Uh, but it was adapted to the, to the PlayStation. But it, it, it was a little glitchy. A little glitchy dog. Uh, man, and those death troopers were hard. Beating them was not easy. You had to have a lot of thermal detonators in your in your pocket. That's right, thermal detonators, baby, thermal detonators. Holy smokes! I, again, I my my jaw just on the floor with that revelation. Uh, I loved it so so much. I I I had to back it up again. I was like, wait, what? Because I I you know it's a little dark in that hangar. I just wanted to be sure I saw what I saw. And I'm pretty darn sure I saw what I saw because I did go online to confirm I saw what I saw and everyone's saying the same thing I did. I was like, oh my God, it's the Dark Troopers. Holy, you know what I'm going to say. Try to keep it clean for the kids, folks. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. How exciting is this? How exciting is this episode? You know, again, there, there, some people maybe thought that this, this was going to be the big Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano episode. We still have that to look forward to. This season is off the charts. Each episode is getting better and better and better and better. And it, ooh, oh my goodness. The reincorporation of, of some of the, the old continuity, some of the old uh, mythology is just, it's so wonderful. The way it's being done, the way it's being handled, the way it's being kind of gradually brought back into the fold and in such a fun and unique way. You know, it's not just like passing reference to like, hey, do you remember that Dark Trooper project? That was a crazy time. No, 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 no. You bring it back and, and, and you make it yours. You, 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 you incorporate it correctly in the right way that tells a f interesting, fascinating story. And it exists to give fans like me uh, just this, again, it's a super deep cut. It's going to be exciting for new fans who don't know the game because they probably weren't even born yet. But for people like me who, like, who know, the, who get that reference, it's like, oh my gosh, this is happening. 
So it, 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 this show works on levels, on so many different levels for the old time fans, for the new fans. I've said it before. I, I will continue to say it again. I love how this show just cuts across Star Wars fandom. And is there something for everyone? It, it hits almost every marker possible for, for fandom. I mean, I, again, you can critique the, the sort of formulaicness of the, of, of the Mandalorian so far. It's like Mando needs something. He has to do something to get something. Then he, he goes on to the next adventure, side quests. It's a little RPG-ish. I get it. You can knock that if you want. Just have fun with it. Embrace it. See what they're doing and embrace it. That That's all I can say about it. What 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 did you all think of this episode? Did did you all enjoy it as much as I did? Are you as excited about Dark Troopers as I am? And like, trust me, we could talk more about Dark Troopers. I mean, there's different phases of the Dark Trooper project. There are there's all kinds of just just so much stuff. And I think you can even find them in some comic books. Like it's so back when uh, Dark Horse was publishing, I think they incorporated the Dark Troopers in a couple comic books as well. So really good stuff. Again, I, come on, come on. And again, I think Ahsoka Tano is next week. What, next week? Oh my gosh, we have to stop. We have to stop talking about this, though. We are just out of out of show. <laughs> You're just going to listen to me gushing about this episode because I love it so much. I'm going to watch it 84 more times before I even drop this podcast. It's it's ridiculous. It's amazing. It's so good. I Again, hit me up. Let me know what you are thinking about this episode. Are you enjoying it as much as I do? Do you have questions that I not get to something? Is there something you caught that maybe I missed? Let me know. Find me, social media, at Mando, underscore Vision, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it, it would mean the world to me if you give me a follow and you liked some of the stuff I post. That'd be great. Make sure you are liking, subscribing, and sharing the show with all the Mandalorians in your clan. If you're, if possible and so inclined, five-star reviews are just insanely helpful. They help small independent podcasts like us stand out. And when you're a small independent Star Wars podcast, uh, you're not alone out there. There's a lot of Star Wars podcasts out there. But when you're a small one like this one, uh, every little bit of help we can get from from you fine listeners is deeply, deeply appreciated. Uh, if you get a chance, head on over to our network's homepage, 3bzine.com. You can find a link to all of the shows on the, on the network, Beer Night in San Diego, the TomCast podcast, and MandoVision. You can also check out our store envy page where you can buy sweet, sweet merchandise for the holiday season. And uh, yeah, uh, lightsaber hilts are, are also out of stock again. Very popular items. Can't help that, sorry. But, you know, good news. It, it sounds like we might get some Beskar soon. Fingers crossed before the Christmas. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. All right, again, my name is Tom. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you're having as much fun with this podcast as I am because I love talking about Star Wars. And I love seeing Dark Troopers. <laughs> all right, this is a little program note before I close up shop today. Next week, Thanksgiving. As far as I know, Friday, the new episode of The Mandalorian is still dropping. Uh, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be uh, maybe not the podcast that you're used to hearing from me. I'm going to try my best. <laughs> I think I'm going to. I think I'm just going to have to suck it up and take my all the equipment here from the home studio uh, up up to. Uh, where we are going to be spending Thanksgiving isolated, away from people, just like a little cabin in the woods kind of situation. But I think I'm going to have to take the gear because there's there's no way I can't do the episode next week for Ahsoka Tano. My, I can't, I can't, I can't wait until I get back into town. No, 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 that episode's going to happen, uh, and it will probably happen early. <laughs> I will probably have to do it while my wife is asleep. So get ready. You're gonna get that. You're gonna. You might be getting that podcast next Friday. In the AM. So get ready. 
And in the meantime, if we don't talk uh, before that, I hope everyone has a safe, happy holiday. Enjoy Thanksgiving. I, I hope everyone uh, does adhere to the rule. Try to avoid the large gatherings. You know, the, the numbers are spiking. And whether you're into masks or not masks, uh, just be safe. I guess that's the best thing we can we can try to do. Wash your hands, keep your distance, and, and, and all that good stuff. And according to the governor of California, you have to sing very, very lowly, very quiet singing. You don't want to exhale too much of your breath. you got to keep that inside of you. Anyways, enough of that. Enough of that. Oh, also, one final note. If you have not checked it out yet, Star Wars, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, now available on Disney+. Plus. It's a lot of fun. It's a really good time. I think you'll enjoy it. I am debating whether or not to do a review of it. Um, I'm leaning towards no, but if you all would like to hear a review of Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, I will happily do one. I will happily happily do one. But in the meantime, just watch it and enjoy. It's 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 fun, silly, irreverent fun. All right, let's close it up. Again, thank you all so much for listening. I'm having a blast with this podcast. I hope you all are enjoying it. Please find me on social media. Let me know what you're thinking of everything, of, of the podcast, of, of the season of The Mandalorian so far. Let's talk. Let's talk. I'm here to listen. Let's talk to everybody. All right, my friends, let's get out of here. Again, happy Thanksgiving. Everyone stay safe, be safe, have fun. Um, and watch more of The Mandalorian. Because this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.